This is The Mooncast Welcome to The Mooncast and I don't want to waste any of your time so let's just jump directly into it So Cash App creator Bob Lee passes away after incident, right? Following a stabbing in San Francisco, Bob Lee, the former chief technological officer of Square and the founder of Cash App, has passed away. Lee's demise was confirmed in the early hours of Tuesday, April 4th. So guys, I just want to say, um, I know I'm starting off with a sad note, but rest in peace to Bob Lee. And he definitely was able to create a lot of value before he passed away to society. So let's move on to the next piece of news. So Kenya is moving away from the U.S. dollar, guys. This this is becoming a global trend of de-dollarization. And they are going to be trading. And they signed a deal with Saudi Arabia to trade with the Kenyan shillings. So this is something to keep in mind, guys. And I think that this isn't going to be something that's just going to be one country every single year or one country every single couple years. This is happening pretty, pretty fast and rapidly as there appears to be a waiting list as well in regards to countries on a waiting list to, to sign up as well for BRICS and to sort of weaken the dollar and the dollar's strength and its authority uh, amongst these nations because they kind of have a stranglehold on the entire global landscape because the U.S. is the global reserve currency. So moving forward, we see China also completes a gas trade with Chinese yuan ending U.S. dollar reliance for energy trades, right? And it says here in what what is a landmark development, China and France have completed an LNG gas trade using the Chinese yuan, thus ending the reliance on the U.S. dollar for energy trades. Moreover, Reuters reported uh, that the transaction involving 65,000 tons of LNG from the UAE, United Emirates, right, marked the first yuan settled LNG trade through the Shanghai Petroleum and Natural Gas Exchange, right? So guys, this is huge. So again, another country that's starting to slowly, slowly hedge its risk and start to trade in the Chinese yuan instead of the U.S. dollar. So it says, following the article says, um, China completes yuan settled energy trade. All eyes have been on the state of the U.S. dollar with reports coming regarding the massive implications of potential de-dollarization. Subsequently, amidst a budding banking crisis and macroeconomic factors, a landmark transaction has taken place that could grant new merit to this, to those concerns, right? China and France have completed a LNG gas trade using the yuan landmark, blah, 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 so on and so forth, right, guys? So this is important, guys. It's slowly, slowly, slowly. People think this is going to happen overnight, but it's not. It's going to take a very, very long time. But I think over the course of time, countries are going to start realizing that the U.S., because they've weaponized the U.S. dollar so much and, you know, uh, with sanctions and, you know, what they, what they did with Russia um, and also now with the with the money printing and uh, the 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 devaluation of the currency right so they're they're devaluating the currency by printing money and other countries who hold those dollars in reserves are losing value and then they saw what they did with russia who held a lot of u.s bonds 
and they just can seize it, right? When you when you hold the U.S. Treasury bonds, they can seize it, or they can they can cut you out with the SWIFT uh, financial payment system, right? Which the U.S. kind of controls, right? So let's see how things move going forward. But yeah, just another country that's decided to hedge its bets and go with the yuan instead of the dollar. So let's move on. And we see here, will the U.S. lose its position as the world leader? Um, so here we go again. The U.S. E economy or economy is visibly going through a tough situation with nations staring away from reliance of the U.S. dollar, right? Russia and Saudi Arabia have already decided to settle transactions in other currencies, right, guys? So pay attention to this. This is very important because remember back in, I think it's 1974, the U.S. went and ran to Saudi Arabia to make Saudi Arabia, make an agreement with Saudi Arabia to trade in, in, the, in the dollar, right? And this created the petrodollar system, which made the U.S. currency kind of backed by oil. And in return, Saudi Arabia would get protected by the U.S. military defenses, right? And so now that Saudi Arabia is going away from the, the dollar, there is absolutely nothing back in the U.S. dollar but the U.S. government, which kind of already was kind of the case. I mean, they did have the petrodollar too as well, but you guys get my point. The point is that you need to keep in mind that if there's no reason to hold the U.S. dollar, then that means people will dump their dollar for other currencies that they want to trade, right? What those currencies will be, only time will tell. You know, right now, I think there's two viable hedges and options right now in which countries are trying to trying to shake and move and decide which ones make sense. Some are saying Bitcoin, right? Like you see with uh, El Salvador, you see Costa Rica uh, passed or had their bill go through Congress, I think in Q4 last year. So we'll see what happens with that. You had Central Africa Republic choosing Bitcoin as legal tender too as well. And then you have a whole bunch of countries that are signing up on a wait list to enter BRICS, which would basically be the same system that we that we have now is just be controlled more by China and Russia. So we'll see how things play out. But anyways, the latest reports reveal that China and Brazil are also planning to demonstrate trades in their own currencies. Right. So this is part of the BRICS union. Right. And so that's that's Brazil, Russia, India, China and South Africa. Right. And soon to be Saudi Arabia and a plethora of other different countries that are on the waiting list to join, right? So this is something to keep in mind. People think that this thing is going to happen overnight. So I keep trying to tell people that this is something that is going to happen step by step, country by country, and then corporations will start hedging and, and start using their reserves and putting them elsewhere outside of dollars, whether that be Bitcoin, whether that be a BRICS currency or some other form uh, of currency or some other form of, of hedge, right? So it says the five countries in BRICS now contribute 31.5% of global G GDP with G7 share has fallen to 30%. BRICS is expected to contribute over 50% of global GDP by 2030, right? This is perhaps the most important macro chart that doesn't get shared much, right guys? So we can have a look and see a little bit further. Let me see, I'm trying to zoom in here so you guys can see. So you see, we're at a crossroads right now, guys. And you see in the chart, and you're looking right now at the GDP and the global share of the GDP between the BRICS and, and the G7, right? 
So we'll see how things play out, guys, moving forward. But it's not looking too good for the U.S. dollar. And you may want to have a little bit of something if you're the type of person that's very, very risk avoidant and risk of, of averse. You may want to have a form of or a hedge and in, in not have all your savings in the euro or in the dollar just in case, you know, may want to maybe park some of that money into stocks. Maybe park some of that money into gold. Maybe park some of that money into, if you can, into real estate. You know, uh, putting down a down payment and paying a monthly mortgage. I don't really recommend that. I think it, it makes more sense to invest in cryptocurrency because they're easily accessible and the appreciation value and the asymmetric risk is, is much better in regards to the risk and reward. But everyone is entitled to choose what they want to choose. You know, um, but it's it's good to definitely diversify and not hold all your money in the bank, especially what you know what's going on right now with the banking crisis. And we don't know how much contagion that there is. Um, I suggested to everyone in my private network and also friends and family to move all their funds if they're not already into the top five major banks. Right. So the JP Morgan's, the Wells, the, the Bank of America's and so on and so forth. So move your, your funds, you know, city. So if, you, if you're not having your funds in, in those banks, I don't think that it's it's safe to in the current uh, climate to keep them in these, you know, these regional banks, um, even though it is FDIC approved, there could be a potential that they don't bail out the banks or the FDIC doesn't want to print the money to backstock the 250000 We don't know. We don't know, guys. So it's always good to protect yourself and protect your risk. So moving forward, we have the U.S. government to sell for 41,500 Bitcoin. So approximately one billion uh, or a little bit over one point one billion um, U.S. dollars um, connected to the Silk Road. Right. I suggest see, people don't even know that, that the U.S. holds Bitcoin. You know, they don't even know that. So while, you know, they're telling you to look over here. On, on the other end of the spectrum, they are they, they have and they hold Bitcoin, right? Um, they're actually one of the, the largest holders of Bitcoin. As you see here, due to its long history of seizures, the U.S. government is one of the largest holders of Bitcoin. According to the court filings, the U.S. government holds more than 2 million uh, Bitcoin as of uh, March 27th, right? The numbers revealed that the U.S. government is the largest holder of Bitcoin, right? So initially, the U.S. government sees Bitcoin maintained by Individual X, which is interconnected to the Silk Road marketplace. This left the U.S. government with over 69,000 Bitcoin. It was also followed by the seizure of 50,000 Bitcoin from James Zong, who is again connected to the Silk Road. Right. So this is something to keep in mind, guys. The U.S. does hold Bitcoin, so they could be dumping periodically. I, I suggest that they hold the Bitcoin that they have seized. I think it would be very advantageous and lucrative for them as a hedge in case the, the dollarization accelerates exponentially within the next within the next decade, right? Um, so let's move on. So moving on, we have the U the new U.S. Social Security forecast. What it means for retirees, right? So the forecast for Social Security got a bit more cloudy last week. With the program's trustees projecting that the uh, the critical retirement program will run short of cash one year earlier than had been forecast last year, guys, <laughs> for for guys who don't really understand what's going on in the macro environment, right? So the U.S. doesn't have 
enough funds to cover the spending that they're doing every single year, right? So they have to subsidize that by printing money. And they're basically saying that they're not going to have enough money to, to keep up with the rate of retirees that are moving forward, right? So you have what, who's retiring right now at a rapid pace, right? The baby boomers, right? It's in the, the generational name, right? Baby boom. So that is the largest population density currently, right? And the largest population cohort. What that means is that there's a surplus of people that are retiring that need to be subsidized and they need to be subsidized longer because people are living longer. Life expectancies are going up, right? And then you have the issue of fertility rates going down, which means that there's going to be less people, right, that are in the workforce. And if there's less people in the workforce, that means there's less people to pay tax to contribute to help out the government to subsidize the people that are retiring currently, right? So they're putting it out publicly. They're letting you know that they're going to run out of money, which they've already run out of money, right? They're printing to subsidize the difference, right? If you just look at the numbers, they have trillions of dollars in entitlements that they have to pay. Then they have the interest rates on the debt that they have to pay that keeps increasing. They just increased the debt ceiling from $31 trillion to, I believe, $53 trillion, right? So you need to be able to do the math and see that they're increasing the debt ceiling. And then you look at the interest that they have to pay to the bondholders and so on, right? And then you calculate that into the GDP and the extracted value of the, from the taxes, right, that, that they're collecting, right? And when you look at that, then you can see the numbers for what they are. And then you can see that they, there's a deficit. And so how are they going to subsidize the deficit? Well, they have to print money. Right. And when they print money, then that causes more inflation. Right. And so asset values will go higher. So people who own assets will get richer air quotations, you know, where, you know, uh, you know, so they'll make more money. Right. And the people who don't own any assets, well, they'll just lose and they'll get poor. And not only do they, do they get poor from not owning assets, but they also get poor because their purchasing power decreases. Right. So if you just look back five years ago, I know here, for instance, in Bulgaria, I was talking to a guy here, a German guy who bought a property here in 2019 for 40000 Now his property is valued at 80000 And that's four years ago, right? Think about that. His property doubled in four years. So people don't understand the concept of inflation, right? It's not the, the digits on your screen, Right? that you're seeing that's going down in value, but what you can buy, right? What you can purchase goes up in value, which makes your purchasing power less, which basically means you you end up with less and less amount of money that you can actually spend, right? Not enough purchasing power. So that's the whole point, right? So for me personally, I don't think the US can keep up this rate of rate hikes that that they're currently doing. For many reasons, right? You know, you have countries that borrowed from the IMF, right? And the interest that they um, have to pay back on those those dollars that they borrowed is going up, right? Because it's fluctuating, right? Because the U.S. is increasing the interest rates, right? Then you have people who have mortgages. And they're the ones that didn't have a fixed mortgage, they had a variable mortgage. Well, they're... Uh, 
mortgage is going up means that they have less purchasing power, right? Because that means that if their mortgage is going up every single month, then they have less purchasing power, which means they're going to spend less within the economy. If they're spending less in the economy, then that means businesses will lose out, right? They're going to have less profit. It's going to eat into the business's profit margin. When they have less profit margin, they're going to start cutting expenses, which is what they're currently doing. You see a lot of tech layoffs, and it's starting to trickle down through the entire economy. They're still saying that we're not in a recession, which I think we've been in a recession for over a year now. And I think it's quite ridiculous how they keep moving the goalposts to try to keep people not afraid of what's actually happening. And that's just my opinion, guys. So just something to keep in mind, guys. Um, If it wasn't obvious already, my generation, I'm a millennial, so we're we're not going to have Social Security, right? It's not going to be a thing for us. We need to find different alternatives, different investment vehicles to grow our wealth, and for me, that's investing in yourself and creating different, building different types of um, income streams for yourself, the cash flow. And that's also cryptocurrency for me. And so those are the options I think that make the most sense. And crypto is non-confiscatable wealth, guys. So that's why I like crypto a lot. It's, it's self-sovereign. And yeah, so let's move on to the next topic. So here we see that Saudi Arabia and OPEC producers to cut oil production output until end of 2023. Guys, they're literally squeezing the oil market, right? Because if they're going to cut oil production, well, that means that the prices are going to increase because there's a limited amount of oil that the U.S. can supply to Europe, right? And if they're going to cut oil production, where is the oil going to come from? It can't come from Russia, who is the number one exporter, right? Because Russia and the U.S. right now, you guys know the situation. So if it's not going to come from Russia, then the U.S. needs to be able to supply it. And so that means the prices are going to ultimately have to go up because they're supplying it not only natively, but also internationally, right, to Europe and so on. So this is something, again, to keep in mind, guys. So let's move on to the next topic. So we see here Saudi Arabia to adopt economic strategy without U.S. dependence, right? In recent announcements, Saudi Arabia and OPEC group of producers reveal an unexpected reduction in oil oil production. Okay, yeah. So I think we've already kind of covered this a bit. But the decision to decrease output by approximately 1.6 million barrels per day is aimed at achieving market stability, right? Which it won't do, right? All it's going to do is going to drive the prices up higher because there's less supply, Right. It's very, very simple. There's more demand and there's less supply. The prices are going to continue to go up and inflation is not going to be in control like the U.S. want it to be. So we'll see what happens in the next rate hike meeting. I believe it's in May. Don't quote me on that, though. But yeah, let's move on to the next topic. So we see here Dubai oil benchmark takes center stage as Russia, India abandon Brent benchmark. Right. So in recent negotiated deal to deliver Russian oil to India, Rosneft, a large Russian oil producer and Indian oil corp, a top refiner, have agreed to use the Dubai oil price benchmark. These companies are both state controlled. This this move is seen as them potentially abandoning the, the standard Brent benchmark, a long set European standard. This leads us to the question, is Russia turning away from the Brent benchmark? Duh. Of course they are. And 
Um, what is Dubai oil price benchmark? Dubai, the Dubai oil benchmark is also a pricing mechanism like the Brent benchmark for crude oil. The difference is that it is a more prevalent benchmark for Asian market. It is a benchmark that is used as a pricing reference for both spot and forward contracts for Dubai crude oil. While the Brent benchmark is noted in dollars and used by European oil majors and traders, the Dubai benchmark is measured in Fateh. Okay, so yeah, that's basically what that is. And so Russia shifts to Dubai benchmark, as you can see again. So guys, again, they're shifting away from Europe, shifting away from the US. Again, follow the trends, guys, and then make a strategy for yourself to see how you're going to shake, how you're going to move in the markets, right? So let's move on to Chinese yuan replaces US dollar as the most traded currency in Russia, right? Duh. Of course, this is happening, right? They are in agreements together, right? It just makes sense, right? If you think about it, Russia is its main exp export is like commodities, right? You know, oil and whatnot. China, its main export is manufacturing, right? So China needs oil, Russia needs manufacturing. So it's like a perfect harmony, right? And if the U.S. is, is set to, to destroy Russia, well, it makes sense for China to cozy up with Russia, right? So that they can get their source of resources that they need, right? So this is just a further extension of their their partnership, and it's only going to grow, guys. And they're only going to build on this BRICS union that they have created, you know, with India alongside South Africa. And yeah, so let's move on. So another important point here. So Elon Musk Twitter updates its logo to Dogecoin. Uh, Doge uh, price spikes, right? So. <laughs> Guys, I'm not a huge fan of meme investing, right? For me, I find, I understand the concept though, right? It, it may be a potential new wave of business model, right? That people may not be looking at because maybe the landscape of business is changing a lot, right? Where instead of providing a product or service, what you're essentially doing is you're building out a community, right? So you're finding different strategies to build out a community. And then from there, the community can decide on what product or service to launch that would benefit the entire community. And that's essentially meme coin investing, right? At a high intellectual scale, right? So in my opinion, I personally don't don't think that you should buy Dogecoin, but you know, this is not investment advice, of course. You know, it, it may pump, it may go up, it, may, it doesn't seem that it's gonna go away. Maybe there's some development going on that I don't know personally because I don't follow Dogecoin, but I, I think we're hitting the stage of community building and these DAOs, right? These de decentralized autonomous organizations, right? To a certain extent, because as you know, you know, it's just it's just facts that Bitcoin is really the only decentralized, fully decentralized protocol. The other almost ninety nine point nine percent of them were were pre mined. I think outside of like Monero and like a few others had like a pre mine. And there's no CEO of Bitcoin. So Bitcoin is completely different than all these other crypto projects. I kind of consider them as like a, as like kind of a little bit, they're kind of decentralized, but they're not fully decentralized SaaS, you know, like software as a service. So that's kind of how I see these, these protocols, you know, they're building communities using the tokenization models 
and they're leveraging the communities to facilitate services, right? And so that's kind of how it's working. But with Dogecoin, it does inflate a lot every single year. It's an inflationary asset, just something to keep in mind. There's an infinite supply of Dogecoin, and so there's new Doge being minted every single day. I think it's roughly like 5 billion new Doge every single year or something like that. Someone can fact check me on that, but I just don't see Dogecoin as a viable investment long term. Again, it's not financial advice, but it, I think it's funny that, that Elon is kind of, I feel like he's trolling a bit because if you look at, you know, he has the SEC lawsuit or whatever. I think they're, what, they're trying to sue him, what, $258 billion from what I remember, what I can recollect. Which makes absolutely no sense, right? If you think about it, none of these, that's another thing people don't understand, right? These, these billionaires don't have $258 billion liquid, right? I don't even think that, that Elon's net worth is even that high, if, if I recall, right? So anyways, they, they don't have that, that money liquid, right? For, you know, normies and people who, who don't really understand how these things go, people who amount, uh, amass that kind of wealth they buy assets, right? So that's why when you hear like these billionaires and, and them selling stocks and and uh, or selling selling property and stuff is because they they don't have the actual liquid cash. You know, maybe they want to do something with the cash, so they'll they'll park their money into their own stocks, which Elon does. They'll park their money into real estate. They'll park their money into trust. They'll park their money into bonds. They'll park their money into crypto. They have assets all over. They park their money into different businesses, uh, equity in different businesses. So, yeah, um, this is it's it, it doesn't really make sense. I don't understand where even if they were to he was to lose this lawsuit, which I don't think he will, because it's complete stupidity. You know, I, I think the whole idea. But anyways, even if he was, he doesn't they don't have two hundred fifty eight billion dollars liquid, you know, so something to keep in mind. Anyways, with Dogecoin. I think Dogecoin, it's crazy because I think if you look at throughout the entire history, if you look at the price charts compared to Bitcoin, I think Dogecoin has outperformed Bitcoin from inception, which is absolutely bananas, you know? So we'll see how things go. But anyways, it's good brand recognition and another form of marketing to get more users onboarded into crypto. We'll see. Maybe they'll they'll do something in regards to to introducing crypto payments. That could be a solution um, that could be that could give Dogecoin some kind of utility. So you could you could pay, you know, with the, with in Twitter with Dogecoin. And I'm, I'm guessing if they have Dogecoin as an option, they probably would have Bitcoin and Ethereum, too, as well. But yeah, anyways, that's the Elon Musk changes the Twitter logo to the Dogecoin logo news. So let's move on, guys. So Saudi Arabia's crown prince is no longer interested in pleasing the U.S., right? So again, guys, this is huge. So you see here the the geopolitical landscape seems to be pretty heated at the moment. On one hand, several nations have been talking collective measures or taking, I'm sorry, taking collective measures to steer away from the U.S. dollar. On the other hand, they are a they are parallelly playing the blame game for macro economy crisis, right? For the macro economy crisis. In fact, leaders from around the world have been outrightly expressing their disapproval. Now, a recent Wall Street Journal 
report brought to light that Saudi Arabia's crown prince recently told his associates that he is no longer interested in pleasing the U.S. In fact, according to unnamed people familiar with the conversation, he asserted that he wants something in return for anything he gives out to Washington. Crazy, right? So, guys, um, it's so obvious what's going on, right? It's obvious that slowly and slowly, like I keep repeating myself throughout this podcast, right? It's it's obvious what's going on. So, Saudi Arabia, you know, they they're the U.S. and Saudi Arabia's relationship is it's broken, right? And if you see what China did, China was able to broker a deal with Saudi Arabia and also um, have them cozy up a bit with 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 uh, Iran, right? So. Yeah, um, if you're looking at the entire the entire landscape of what's going on and what's about to occur within the next 10 to 20 years, it's going to be insane. It's going to be insane. It's going to be a shift and people won't know what happened, right? And so I suggest that you start parking your money into assets, right? It's very simple. Either you you use it or you lose it. That's, that's the name of the game. But just hoarding cash in a bank is the worst thing you could possibly do unless you're saving for a goal. You're saving to buy real estate. You're saving to do something. But me personally, it doesn't make sense to hoard so much cash past three to six months in your in your in your bank. You know, you should be putting that into. I'd rather be asset rich and cash poor. That's just me personally. But anyways, uh, is Saudi Arabia staring away from the U.S.? Well. This is not the first time Prince Mohammed bin Salam has expressed his extreme stance. In March 2022, he said that he did not care whether the U.S. President Joe Biden misunderstood things about him. In fact, simply, I do not care, was the assertion made by made back then by the crown prince when asked if Biden misconceived things about him. Rolling the ball further, he added that Biden should be focusing on America's interest. <laughs> Alongside, the prince also made it clear that we don't have the lecture or, or the right to lecture in America. He emphasized the same goes the other way. Just just a day back, Saudi Arabia and other major oil producers announced surprise cuts totaling up to 1.15 million barrels from May until end of, until the end of the year, right? This move could go on to increase the prices of oil worldwide, right? <laughs> so, guys, <laughs> you see how they're combating the U.S., right? Uh, Saudi Arabia is trying to adopt an economic strategy without dependence of the U.S., thus on the back deteriorating relations between Saudi Arabia and Biden administration. Crazy. So, guys, again, they're doing these oil cuts on purpose to squeeze the U.S., right, and force them to, to print the difference, right? Right? So people... People are going to get squeezed. You know, gas prices aren't going to go down. I don't think inflation is going to go down like they like they say it will. They may fudge numbers and change the metrics again as they continue to keep doing. So the the whole thing, guys, is is a is a complete scam, right? And so just something to keep in mind, guys, to see how things are going, how the world leaders are looking at this and where they're placing their bets, where they're hedging their risk and who they're aligning with. So keep all these things in mind as we move forward. Right. So let's move on to the next article. So this one, I actually want to play the, the video. Right. Of Donald, so it says dollar is crashing and will no longer be the world standard, according to Donald Trump. Right. 
and I, I really want to play the video, but something's up with my audio. I don't know what's up with it, but whatever, you know. Um, so former President Donald Trump has been outrightly critical about the state of the American economy and other associated tangents, addressing his supporters and the media from a Mar a Lago, uh, his former home, Trump. Uh, I don't know what that word is. Opined, opined. Anyways, on the de deteriorating state of the U.S. dollar, he said, "Our currency is crashing and will no longer be the world standard, which will be our greatest defeat, frankly, in 200 years." Right. So this is what he says. I really wish I could play the video. Just to emphasize and, and show you guys the seriousness of the situation. And again, it's not going to happen overnight. It's going to happen in phases. And it's something to, again, keep in mind about where you should be shaking, where you should be moving, how you should be moving your funds moving forward. Because the situation, I don't believe, is going to get better. It's only going to get worse. As I told you, just increase the debt ceiling. They're going to keep printing money. They have to keep printing money. If they don't print money, more banks will crash. Right. So they're eventually going to have to stop tightening. Eventually, we may stay at this uh, high air quotations inflationary environment for a little, a little while, but eventually they're going to have to reverse. Right. Because if they don't, well, people are going to get squeezed, not just the consumers, but also the businesses. Right. And not just the businesses, the banks. Right. Who have very little liquidity in, in their balance sheets. Right. So all these people will get squeezed. And more, you'll see more and more banks get crashed, more people lose their funds, and then they'll eventually have to print money to replace the the funds lost. And again, this is going to create more inflation. Or they can stop playing this game, lower the interest rates back down, and again, it's going to cause more inflation. So it's it's literally a cash 22 situation, right? It's a lose-lose situation. But let's move on. So, study finds that less than 1% of global investors pay taxes in crypto in 2022, right? I don't find this surprising at all um, because there's, I'm not saying that people shouldn't pay their taxes, right? But there's two things, right? That's another thing that people aren't really looking at. So, the tax revenue that the U.S. is supposed to be collecting is going to be less the longer they keep this game going because there's going to be less capital gains tax. Well, because... People that are invested in the markets are a lot of them are at a loss, or they don't want to they don't want to sell at a minimal gain. So, what is the point? You know, so they're just going to either hold, or they're at a loss. So they pay no nothing in taxes, right? Because they lost money, they didn't make any money. Because, as you guys know, the stock market, the the crypto markets have have been, you know, on a downtrend in a, in sort of a bear cycle, right? That we're in. So. If they have less tax dollars, well, and they still keep the steady pace of spending that they have been keeping at, well, there's going to be a deficit, right? <laughs> How are they going to fill that deficit? So that means they have to print money again, right? To fill the deficit, to pay for the, 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 the Medicare, the Medicaid, the Social Security, to pay for... The, the public goods and services to pay for the interest rates, not even the principal, right? The interest rates on the debt that they owe back to the investors, right? So that is the game, guys. And yeah, and I think that also there's no regulatory clarity in regards to how they're gonna how they're gonna go about, you know, um, 
in regards to crypto tax because you know there's it, the thing is I feel like it's so complicated. At first they were doing this weird thing where every time that so every time you receive a staking reward or a mining reward, you need to pay tax on that. This is such a complicated thing for the consumer to be able to do. Why not just when you convert it to fiat, whatever the difference is, you just pay taxes on that, right? It can make things so much more simpler, you know. And because they're making things so complicated. And making you have to track all these different trades and all these different, it's so hard to track DeFi, you know, when you're liquidity farming and all these different types of things. That's why you see people leaving, you know, there's a lot of people that are, that are leaving the U.S. There's a lot of companies that are leaving. They're going over to Dubai. They're going to all these different areas where there's, there's less complicated tax regime, right, or tax laws because people just don't want to deal with this crap. And yeah, you see the end result from everything from the, the quantitative tightening and the lack of of clarity, right, from many countries, not just the U.S., but many countries, you know, that's why, you know, I really feel like El Salvador is going to be really, really huge in the future, right, because they're very, very forward thinking in what they did. And yeah, we'll actually get to El Salvador in a little bit. But yeah, I'm really, really impressed by Naib Bukele and what he's doing. Well, yeah, this is the... Study finds that less than 1% of global investors pay taxes on crypto in 2022 news. So let's move on to the next thing. Dubai UAE requests Binance provide more information on structure and auditing procedures, right? So there's a lot of Binance FUD right now. I really, really, it's, it's, it's a little bit quite annoying, to be honest with you. And people who are rooting against Binance are just kind of like crazy. I'm like, why would you root against Binance? They're one of the biggest exchanges. If they go down, a lot of people are going to lose a lot of money and it's going to crash the markets. Why would you want that? You should be rooting for them to win. So I think all this is just FUD. All these articles are FUD. But anyways, you should not have your funds in an exchange, right? Not your keys, not your crypto. I've been saying this for a very long time now, right? A lot of people, they get into the market and they don't understand security. They don't understand the point of cryptocurrency. Yes, you can make money with cryptocurrency, but the entire point of cryptocurrency was to take back control from the state, right? From the centralized entities, right? We've had separation of church and state. Now we're having separation of finance and state, right? So this is what's currently happening, right? So it's less about if you're in the game in crypto for short term gains. You, you shouldn't be in crypto, you know, um, if you don't have a long term approach with crypto and understanding that in the long run, there's going to be more decentralization going on. You see it already with education, right? If you look at education, education itself is is uh, decentralized. You know, I, I wrote about I wrote a, a construct about it in my book about the concept of school, you know, and how I think it's super outdated. When you when you think about it, you know, I had professors in my school who never started a business. I, I, I was in international business school, right, in Germany. And the professors never even started a business. And they were trying to teach us about business. It was so outdated. I didn't learn anything after I got my degree. You think I learned about Google ads while I was at school? You think they taught me about Facebook ads when I was at school? Do you think they, they taught me about sales, how to sell to people? You think they taught me marketing and different marketing strategies? Do you think they taught me about content marketing? you think I knew anything about YouTube? how to read YouTube analytics, click-through rates, the thumbnails, all these different types of things to attract attention to your your business or to you or your personal brand, how to build a, a personal brand. 
They don't teach you any of that stuff in school, right? And that's just in business, but you can take this logic and apply it to many other verticals, right? And so you have teachers that are teaching about these topics that are not even working in those industries, right? Or they, they did work in those industries, but they haven't worked in those industries in years, right? And as you guys know, things are moving quicker and quicker and quicker. And the quicker things move, right, the more that the current curriculum is it gets more and more so outdated by the time you get done with your four-year degree program right because it's fixed it doesn't change during your four years so that's the problem right that the the school system is fixed by the time you get done with your four-year degree program you're like eight years behind because there's so much new stuff and nuanced technology uh, so much so much different uh innovation that's going on in whatever vertical that you're in that you're way behind right and so now you even have ChatGTP4, it can consolidate a four-year degree into an ebook, right? And I was arguing with people about this stuff years ago. People were calling me crazy. I'm like, dude, you can find everything on the internet. You just gotta know where to look. You gotta choose your teachers correctly, right? But all the information that you need is on the internet, man. But it's just crazy to see how, how things are going. But yeah, back to Binance, guys. Sorry for going off on a tangent. The point is that I wanted to make is I think all this stuff is FUD. People should be rooting for Binance. And yeah, I think that people should also get their coins off the exchange. It's in the word exchange. An exchange is meant for you to exchange, not for you to hold value in, right? It's not a, it's not a holding. It's not a it's not a, a broker to hold something in, right? It's, it's an exchange for you to exchange and swap from an old system into a new system, right? A more decentralized, permissionless open source, transparent system, right? And that was the whole point. That was Satoshi's vision, right? So it's, again, something to keep in mind, guys, when you're, you know, using these exchanges, right? And yeah, so let's move on to the next bit of news. So again, guys, country by country, you see China to invest $39 billion in Malaysia, right? According to the nation's prime minister, Anwar Ibrahim, China is set to invest $39 billion in Malaysia. Moreover, the, investing, the investment will include the petrochemical and autom automotive industries, according to the Prime Minister in a statement made Tuesday. The investment arrives following previous statements from Ibrahim regarding the reliance on the U.S. dollar. Now, following the call to embrace China's efforts to develop a new currency for trading, the investment in the nation has been announced, right? So, guys, again, China's making moves, guys. China is slowly making moves, and they're building alliances. They're growing bricks, as you see here, you know. So, look, while the U.S. is burning bridges and they're weaponizing their dollar, China is making moves, guys. They're playing chess, not checkers. And, I, and there's more countries to come. There's reported, uh, as I told you guys, around 17 countries on the wait list. I heard from my research that I've done that it's it's potentially going to be Japan, New Zealand, Australia that are that are also part of that wait list. But like like I said, I don't want to spread false information, so more will be revealed. But just keep in mind where things are going, and again, the landscape and the magnitude of this. Right, this is huge. This is huge. There's a shift in power happening in real time, guys. So let's move on to the next bit of news. 
So El Salvador president officially signs bill of 11 pages limiting all taxes on technology or technological innovations, right? So income, property, and capital gains taxes are removed, boosting the tech sector, right? And here's the here's the here's the thing of the bill right here, a picture of the bill. So why is this important, guys? So Bukele's playing chess, right? So he understands where things are going. Things are going and becoming more decentralized, right? Like I said, you see it with media. You know, there's YouTubers that that, that do more views per video than you know major news outlets. Just to tell you where things are going, right? People are trusting the mainstream. Who who subscribes to to Bloomberg or to these these uh, Washington Post and all these different CNN and all this stuff? No, like only the boomers, right? People in my generation, we don't we don't do that. Right, people in my generation go on Twitter. People in my generation go on YouTube to get their get their information. They go on Instagram to get their information. Right. So, what is Bukele doing? Right. So Bukele, he understands that things are going decentralized. He understands that as the shift happens and when the Bitcoin halving happens, this is what I predict. So I think the Bitcoin halving is going to happen, and you know, price is going to go up. They're going to have to start printing money again anyways to help boost the prices going up. And then the inflation of asset values again continues again in a rinse and repeat cycle that people still don't get. And when that happens, he's going to be vindicated, right? So everything that he did, all the moves he made is going to be validated. And people are going to take those profits and they're going to go to El Salvador. They're going to go help develop Bitcoin City. They're going to go to San Salvador, right? They're going to help boost the economy and the economic output, right, in the entire uh, country, right? You know, 95% increase in, in tourism, right, since Bukele took over. You have a 57% decrease in murder rate since Bukele took over, right? He's cleaning up the entire country, making it safe for investors, making it safe for people who want to, to immigrate there, right? And it's very, very smart because he's thinking about it long term. And if you play this long game and, and also he's very, very smart in hedging the U.S. dollar with Bitcoin because Bitcoin has been appreciating against the U.S. dollar since inception. It started at what? One cents. And now it's worth what at the, at the current time of this recording, like twenty eight thousand dollars. Right. So it's been appreciating against the U.S. dollar for over a decade, almost a decade and a half now. It's been out since what, 2009? Right. So almost a decade and a half now. So he's playing chess, not checkers, guys. And yeah, this is, again, going to bring a lot more liquidity and a lot more entrepreneurs who help drive the economic output of countries. Right. It's not governments. Right. It's entrepreneurs. They come there. They build ideas. Those ideas are seen valuable by others. People want those that product or service that, that people made from their ideas they then it then increases demand right for that thing that was built in that particular location right and then uh money floods in right that's what the u.s did for years you know with youtube and apple and microsoft and instagram and facebook and you know all these different sorts of innovation right and so the innovation is leaving the u.s it's going to dubai it's going to el salvador it's going to these places that um have lower taxes but Yes, you know, it, it's going to hurt them 
in terms of tax revenue. I'm sure they're going to have some kind of maybe sales tax or something. I haven't looked too much into it to get some kind of tax revenue. But what they gain in foreign direct investment will be huge. Will be huge moving forward, especially at the at they're they're at the forefront of the shift right from centralization and decentralization and the separation of finance and state. So again, something to keep in mind moving forward with Bukele. And moving on, we also have Costa Rica, Costa Rican lawmakers. Right, this is something that's an old piece of news. But I just want to showcase to you guys that countries are moving in, right, to make the shift. And trust me when I tell you, there's going to be more countries that are going to make the shift and transition into making Bitcoin either legal tender or making Bitcoin at least legal to be able to purchase without having to pay tax, right? Purchase goods and services, I mean. Purchase goods and services without, without having to pay tax, which is basically the same thing. It's just unofficial legal tender, right? And so when you're looking at this, right, so lawmakers in Costa Rica are working to make Central American country a Bitcoin friendly nation with significantly low taxes on crypto. This week, and this was reported like, when was this report? This was reported, I think, uh, about a few, a few months ago, like I want to say like three or four months ago. But anyways, this week, Costa Rican lawmaker Johanna Obando presented a bill to Congress for regulating the crypto market in the Central American country. Obando, who now is has laser eyes meme on her Twitter page. I don't know if she still does or not, because I don't I don't actually don't have Twitter, guys. So I've had social media for a very long time. But anyways, said that the crypto assets market law would give protection to individual virtual private property to self custody of crypto assets and decentralization, right? Without the interference from the country's central bank, but in perfect harmony with it. So moving on, it says the idea is, is to have a law recognizes what digital assets are and allow those who want to buy, sell and spend and store their crypto to do so without interference from Costa Rican government. Amazing. Presented along the Congressman Luis Diago Vargas and George Dengo, the bill would, no, would not allow the government to tax cryptocurrencies when used to buy goods. It also wouldn't let the government tax crypto sitting in cold storage. And crypto produced by mining industry wouldn't be subject to profit tax either. Profits from crypto trading, however, would be subject to income taxes under the bill, right? So this makes perfect sense for me. And yeah, you know, it doesn't make sense. Like, it, it's just such a headache. Look, this is a completely different model, a completely different system. And a lot of governments aren't getting it. But the ones who are, are going to be so ahead of this thing 10 to 15 to 20 years from now. And people are going to flood. They're going to leave the West and they're going to go to these areas that, that get it, right? The Dubais, El Salvador's, whoever's next is coming up. Maybe maybe it's Costa Rica, you know, if the bill goes through or not. You know, they're going to go to these countries that get it and understand it. And that's where the new landscape of economic output and economic market share, right? The GDP market share is going to go to, right? These countries... Um, that are forward thinking, right? So it says in short, lawmakers want Costa Rican government to recognize what crypto is and allow people to hold it and largely spend it freely. This, uh, Abano said on Twitter, would eventually attract foreign investors, obviously, fintech companies, obviously, and create jobs for Costa Ricans, duh, right? <laughs> Same thing Dubai did, right? So 
But Obando made it very clear that this law would be different than El Salvador's Bitcoin law. In El Salvador, Bitcoin's legal tender, meaning businesses must accept it if they have the technological means to do so, right? Yeah, so this makes perfect sense because, yeah, when something's legal tender, it's like, so for instance, guys, let's do break it down the difference, right? So, like, what El Salvador did is if I go to a store and I say, yeah, I'll pay, I'll pay with Bitcoin, and they say no, they can go to jail because legal tender is the same with euros or with dollars. If I go to a business and I say, yeah, I'll pay with X, and they say, no, you can't pay with X, they can go, they can go to jail. Now, with this bill, it's if the, the, the business is basically it's optional, right? So it's not legal tender, but it's allowed to transact and pay for things in, in goods and services. But they're not going to force people. <coughs> excuse me. They're not going to force people to pay in, 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 in Bitcoin or in cryptocurrencies, right? So, yeah. So that's something to keep in mind. I just wanted to bring it up. It's an older art article. came out, I think, like in October or something. But... It's still relevant to where things are going, right? And last but not least, we have news in regards to a $100,000 salary in New York City, right? In New York City is worth only $36,000 after taxes and living expenses, right? Well, duh, right? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so the current economic state of the U.S. is fragile, Following the continued inflation fight and budding banking crisis, subsequently, Bloomberg is shedding light on the tremendous cost of living in certain areas and how different take-home pay can be depending on where you call home, right? So it's, it's obvious, right? It's inflation, right? So you go to places where, you know, there's, there's less inflation and your purchasing power can buy you more things, right? I'm currently in Bulgaria because not only is it 10% tax for corporate in my business, but also... The cost of living is very, very little. I spend less than $1,000 every single month on total expenses. That includes rent, utilities, food, uh, everything, you know, transportation, gym memberships, etc. right? So why am I doing that? Because I, I want to, to save enough money to reinvest back into my business and into the markets, right? Because I understand where things are going and there's going to be another inflated asset valuations, you know, in the next few years, right? Assets are going to inflate again. And because I understand this, that's the reason that I park my money into assets, right? And I try to save as much as I can to park into assets consistently because I know over the course of time, I'll, my asset values will go higher and higher as long as they're good assets to hold. And so this article is basically just saying and giving people you know, a better understanding a little bit about inflation and what it does, right? So people say, oh, you make $100,000 a year, but they don't take into account the tax. They don't take into account the cost of living, right? So if you, if, if further down in the article, it also says that uh, according to Bloomberg, $100,000 paycheck in New York City is worth, oh, not, not this. Oh, yeah. So here it says, uh, conversely, Memphis, Tennessee was a top list was on the top of the list with $100,000 earnings taking home $86,000 after taxes and cost of living. Ultimately, the analysis showcased the reality that earning six figures has very different expenses based on location, right? Following the located the local state and federal state implemented in various US states and different cost of living, right? So, yeah, I mean, this is uh this is an obvious thing. Another thing I want to say, too, is that, 
you know, if you're in the U.S., um, you definitely want to keep in mind the landscape of where the state governors and senators, how they're thinking, how they're moving in regards to cryptocurrency. I know, I believe it's Wyoming, Texas, and Florida, or I think those are red states. I don't know. I don't do those red boost up, but those are pro-crypto, more so pro-crypto states to be in. Whereas if you're like in like a New York or, you know, in, in other areas, they're, they're not so safe, right, to, you know, do, participate in kind of Bitcoin mining or DeFi or in, in, to invest in the cryptocurrency. So we'll see how things go. We know already the Fed now, they, they announced that too as well. I didn't put it here in any article or anything, but they, they will be coming out with the Fed now, beta, CBDC, you know, they're, they're packaging it and marketing it as Fed now and instant payments and oh you can pay on Saturdays and Sundays and in reality just, in the back end they're probably using the blockchain right more than likely right miners that they control right and so that's supposed to be coming out in the summer right I believe in July so that's an, again another thing to keep in mind of where things are going how things are moving and how the power of control is shifting and there's there's three different major players at pay at, at play right now right so you have the BRICS, right? The, again, Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa to go along with uh, basically Saudi Arabia and these other countries that are going to be joining too as well. So they're going to basically have the, all the countries combined together will, will basically put together will have more GDP than the U.S., right? And so um, there's also some articles that I read too as well that they're thinking to make a unified currency backed by gold, which would be amazing, but how, again, could be trusted, right? It could be maybe just the same game the U.S. played where they said it was backed by gold and then, you know, you found out that it wasn't, right? So we'll see how that goes. But anyways, there's BRICS and then there's the U.S. and then there's Bitcoin, right? So those are the three major players moving forward in this battle for, you know, who's going to be the financial global reserve currency and the currency of trust, right, amongst the people moving forward. So, again, we'll, we'll see how things play out, guys. I hope that you guys enjoyed this one, man, and peace.